Welcome to episode 143 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Bilo, and it is a pleasure to be spending this time with you. For this episode, we get to dive into a topic that's experienced by everyone at some point in their lives, but it's usually the last thing that anybody wants to talk about. I'm joined by Sam Weinman, author of Win at Losing, How Our Biggest Setbacks Can Lead to Our Greatest Gains. As entrepreneurs, we're not often told that losing is okay. We get contradictory messages that failure is not an option, coupled with the idea that if you're not failing, you're not taking risks. And entrepreneurship, by its very definition, involves risk. What I've noticed, however, is that it's sometimes easy to admit something big didn't work, like a big program not taking off or a product that flops. Maybe easy to admit is putting it a bit strongly, though, I have to say. But what I mean is that it's easier to share those kinds of losses because we know that we are in good company. As every company that's broken through to the next big thing has had numerous failures on the path to success. We can turn those big failures into big lessons, since the lessons learned are often obvious and staring us right in the face. What's harder to admit, what's more challenging to find the lessons in, are the smaller, everyday failures and losses. Added up, they can feel like death by a thousand cuts. It's not the one big flop that leads you to fold up your tent and go home. It's the continual feeling that you just can't catch a break, and that the loss column is adding up much faster than the win column. It might be the client that falls through, or the customer that returns your product, or an offering that has to be canceled. Those things happen to all of us, especially if you are taking risks, large and small. But we don't talk about those kinds of losses. We don't let on that we're slowly bleeding out. The lessons we learn seem less obvious since they chip away at our emotional balance rather than stimulate our problem-solving intellect. In those cases, whether we lose quickly and spectacularly or slowly and quietly, our resilience is tested. A friend recently sent me a TEDx talk given by Dr. Rick Hansen, author of the best-selling book, Buddha's Brain. The talk was titled Hardwiring Happiness after his most recent book. After my conversation with Sam, I'm going to share a tip that Dr. Hansen offered during his presentation that has had a measurable difference in my own happiness and resilience. Resilience is the key to moving through the speed bumps that we all encounter as we grow as business owners and leaders and human beings. And this easy exercise will help you to increase your capacity to go with the ups and downs. So stay with me after the interview to hear more. One quick announcement before we move to the conversation with Sam. We all know that networking as an introvert, at least when we're feeling like we're in full introvert mode, can be rather challenging. It's not that we can't do it or that we can't be good at it. It just takes all of our energy, and yes, it can even feel like a risk, as there's always a chance that we will give more than we receive. Over the past few years, I've had the pleasure of experiencing a new way of networking that I want to extend to you. On January 30th and 31st, I'm offering two Virtual Networking for Introverts events. 
We'll be meeting up on the Zoom video conferencing platform, starting out as a full group with short introductions, and I will provide a brief presentation. And then I will offer you a few conversation prompts to choose from and break you up into smaller groups so that you can meet each other and have deeper conversations and connection. We'll close by coming back together and sharing anything interesting that came up in the smaller groups. I've designed this to be a minimal investment from you of 60 minutes and $15, but you'll receive the maximum return in terms of connections and learning. The intention is that it's an introvert-friendly way to sharpen your networking skills while meeting new people and learning about helpful resources. If the event is well-received, if it goes off without a hitch, I plan to host at least one virtual networking experience every month. Space is limited in each event, so register now to secure your spot. You can learn more and register at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash virtual networking introverts, as if that last part is all one word. So after the slash virtual networking introverts. I'll also include the link in the episode show notes. So let's move on to our interview. Sam Weinman is the digital editor for Golf Digest and author of the book, Win It Losing, How Our Biggest Setbacks Can Lead to Our Greatest Gains. After noticing that his two sons encountered issues coping with loss, Weinman researched and interviewed various successful people to gain insight on what they learned from and how they coped with their greatest losses. Win It Losing examines the psychological ramifications of losing in highly competitive people that inspired lessons all of us can use. His work has been featured in Golf Digest, USA Today, Golf World, Yahoo Sports, ESPN The Magazine, and Sports Illustrated. He is the recipient of multiple first place awards in the Associated Press Sports Editors and Golf Writers Association of America writing contests. You can learn more about Sam and how to connect with him, as well as find links to his Introvert Island book selections in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. Hi, Sam. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur podcast. It's a pleasure to be chatting with you today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Well, what is making you smile today? <laughs> uh, I guess for me, it's the launch of my book, yeah. which is uh, when it's losing. Uh, it's pretty heady experience going through this, but I'm, I'm very happy with it. Yeah, excellent. Well, congratulations on that. That's a huge accomplishment. And Thank you. And that's what we're going to focus on talking about today, of course. Um, before we get there, though, I, you know, this, since this is the introvert entrepreneur, so I'd like to let people know where you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum sure. and how has that awareness influenced your professional path? Sure. Uh, I, I, guess, I guess I am more of an extrovert. I always, my wife jokes because I think I'm in some ways, very extroverted, but in other ways, I like to keep to myself. But um, mm-hmm. I suppose, you know, I like people. I like connecting with people. I like talking to people. So I immodestly would say it's helped me in the sense that I feel like I connect with people well, mm-hmm. sometimes, not always. <laughs> so it's helped me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you have this new book called Win at Losing. Right. Uh, what was the catalyst for writing that book? And and this is part two of the question. Sorry for two right after the other. But, That's fine. Um, um, what was the catalyst, and then what was the most surprising thing that you learned about losing sure. and winning during the time you spent writing and researching this book? Yeah, um, the catalyst for me started pretty small. It was my my sons. I got two boys who are um, competitive little athletes and struggle with losing, and I just found that the ability to lose was a hugely important skill to have, and that they lacked it. And 
I, you know, wanted to teach it to them, but I also just thought it was an interesting topic that because so many people in high-profile ways have struggled with losing and, and then lost and had to deal with it, and I kind of wanted to learn from those people. So that was sort of the, the catalyst for writing the book. As far as what I learned, I guess the most important thing I learned is that a lot of what losing is stems from what our mindsets are, you know, and how we frame success. And um, if you look at success and failure as a definition of who you are, well, then your definitions of of winning and losing are pretty narrow. But if you look at, you know, all experiences, opportunity for growth, challenges and setbacks is even more opportunities for growth, then you can handle loss in a very productive and constructive way. Yeah. Well, it seems like you're saying like loss is it's something we make up, like it's a mental construct um, to some degree. Yeah, there's a psychologist who I quote in the book named uh, Dr. Jim Lair, who says that more important than what happens to us is um, kind of how we think about what happens to us, which mm-hmm. sounds like a little bit of mental gymnastics, but what we're basically saying is it's all about, it's all subject to our interpretation. So you can beat yourself up for all kinds of losses, or you can choose to be constructive about them. Yeah. Well, it would be easy to assume that the people who win at losing, um, who seem to suffer those losses and don't suffer disappointment or heartbreak, we would think that they're made of steel. Right, <laughs> you know? right. um, but I'm guessing that that is not the case. Um, what did you find to be true about those who were the most resilient in the face of losses? Yeah, that's a great question. It's definitely not because they don't get affected by loss. That's hardly the case. I think everyone that I profiled to some extent was crushed by whatever the defeat was mm-hmm. and, and had a hard time with it. And I think that's the most human reaction you can have and the most realistic reaction you can have. And But I also think that that's the sort of necessary step you need to take in order to learn from it. You know, if it's just kind of like something that you just gloss over and don't feel anything from it, then you're not going to really take a hard look at it. So um, the common thread from these people is that they experienced pain and then they took a kind of constructive look at it. Yeah. Was there a common thread about how those people moved from, you know, being the crushing defeat to being on the other side of it? Yeah, I mean, I think the the common thread was this sort of uh, period of of brutal honesty. Um, And again, it usually was preceded by some painful feelings, you know. I mean, it was processing the loss in a way that they recognized it's something they didn't want to have happen again or they didn't want to deal with, and then applying those lessons in a constructive way. And it could be, you know, there's an important point to make that some people – learn from them and have these kind of redemptive follow-up successes where they really learn from the losses. But a lot of people just kind of, you know, never got over it or never never had that follow-up success, but just were able to wrap their brains around it in a positive way. Yeah. As you were interviewing people, I'm sure you found a range of losses that people had experienced. What to you was the most profound transformation from like what seemed like the most profound loss to the most profound or transformative win on the other side? Sure. There's a couple of, you know, there's a story um, that I tell in the book. It's a little known story of a soccer player by the name of Sarah Hess, who was on the U.S. national team and she won a World Cup with that team in 1999 and played in the Olympics. And then shortly after the Olympics, she was playing professional soccer and she blew out her knee. And she, you know, her, her soccer career was essentially over. Well, not only did she blow out her knee, but she went through this period where um, she had surgery on her knees and she almost died in the surgery because of this reaction. 
she then, after that, went through this real period of alienation and bitterness because sort of the one thing she identified with most of all was taken from her. She was always an athlete and a soccer player, so there was this kind of loss of identity. Um, So it was a lot of soul-searching, and uh, the irony of it all is that she eventually um, sort of pieced together a life, and once she was healthy enough again, she decided she wanted to pursue a career in psychology because Mm -hmm. she had been through these really dark periods, and ultimately she is now a successful psychologist who attributes a lot of her success as a psychologist to, you know, really identifying with people who have been through similar experiences of pain, not, you know, losing their soccer career, mm-hmm. but just whatever it is, divorce or mm-hmm. you know, people at a career crossroads or whatnot. Yeah. It seems like that. So I always like that story. Yeah, that's, that's lovely. And, and you're reminding me that as we were talking about before, losing is often, you know, a, a mental construct, but it's reinforced by this idea that we often identify ourselves with whatever it is that we're trying to win at. Sure. Sure. And how much does that impact how we feel about losing, you know, the highs and lows, right. it seems like would become even more extreme, depending on how strongly we identified with that activity. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, there's, uh, I'm not familiar with the work of Carol Dweck, who has written, talked about mindsets and growth mm-hmm. and fixed mindsets. And she makes a really important distinction is that, you know, you shouldn't be identifying or driving your identity from your accomplishments or like what you are, you should be deriving your identity from your pursuit of an identity or your pursuit of something. So mm-hmm. in this instance, like, look at me, right? I wrote a book and I could completely define myself by how well the book sells or how it's reviewed mm-hmm. or all those things. And But the healthier way to look at it is instead that um, I wrote a book and I worked really hard at writing a book and um, I'll learn from the mistakes I made in my first book that'll hopefully, so I'm, I'm choosing to identify with sort of the process as more than I am with the result. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the goal. I, no, no one does it perfectly, myself included, um, but that's <laughs> what we should kind of all be striving for. Yeah, work in progress all the time. And it seems like the important thing is having that awareness and and articulating it. And I really appreciate you sharing that because it's, it seems like, you know, for anyone who's an entrepreneur listening to this, what you just said is absolutely um, applicable and um, is a lesson for us all. Completely. I mean, it's like, um, you can't define success by day one. If you're, you know, if you're starting a business, it's got to be whatever that, you know, that period of time that you're endeavoring to it, it's over a longer period. Exactly. Marathon, not a sprint. (laughs) Exactly. Well, well, you know, I can't speak for all introverts, but I know from my own personal experience and that of my clients that we introverts can tend to internalize failure. You know, we can turn inward and we can forget to reach out to others. Mm-hmm. What can those of us who are prone to turning inward during those tough times learn from the people that you studied? That's a great that's a great question. I would say the most important thing is to, first of all, identify that this is as universal a problem as you get. We all have failures. Mm-hmm. And I would say when you experience a disappointment or a setback or whatnot, talk to other people who went through it and, and how they navigated it. And, you know, the people in my book all took strength from someone or something around them. You know, it wasn't, they weren't leaving it to themselves to navigate this on their own. I mean, um, I have a chapter in the book about the baseball commissioner, Faye Vincent, who was the commissioner of baseball. And at one point earlier in his career, before he lost his job, he 
fell out of a window and uh, broke his back, and he had this terrible period afterwards. Long story short, he was someone who started to connect with people on a deeper intellectual level than he ever had before, and um, no longer, you know, he sort of opened himself up to people in ways that he hadn't before. And so I think um, our moments of vulnerability are moments where we should be embracing the opportunity to take strength from the people around us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, thank you so much for, for sharing these insights. Um, sure. And, and I'm going to include links to how to connect with you as well as to the book um, in the episode show notes. Um, before I let you go, because I know you've got a busy day being launch day. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's after your whirlwind book tour, but you are going to get a three-week vacation. Sure. And um, this is on Introvert Island, so it's it's going to be a little different than maybe an extrovert would would desire. But you can take three books with you. What would you take with you, and why? Yeah, that's a good one. Um, I would take. I guess it would be three books that I want to spend time with, even if I've read them before, and that I can kind of always go back to. So. Mm-hmm. For me, um, there's a book by Richard Russo called Nobody's Fool, which I absolutely love and think is um, you know, one of my favorite novels of all time. Um, there's another book by Nick Hornby called uh, High Fidelity, which is mm-hmm. one of the most under, I think, just brilliantly written, very funny, and very insightful. And because I do have a sports background, i got to pick one sports book. So I guess I would pick the book by David Moranis, who wrote for Washington Post about Vince Lombardi, called When Pride Still Mattered, which is a beautifully written um, biography of the football coach and just like really opened my eyes to how biography can be real great literature too. So I guess those would be the three. Awesome. And I, and I love that you bring that sports perspective because I'm not even, a, I'm not a sports person. I was the one that was picked last mm-hmm. for kickball, you know, at, in elementary school. So. <laughs> But but that said, you know, I have found, you know, so much um, value anytime I have read all of those parallels. I think the first one was the inner game of tennis. Right. Um, that kind of introduced me to that idea of, you know, sports psychology being life psychology. Very much so. I mean, I think that was sort of the early stages of this book was looking at it through a very narrow sports prism, but then realizing that these principles apply to pretty much everything. Absolutely. Well, Sam, how can people connect with you and and um, learn more about the work you're doing? Uh, the best way is my website, Um It has information about the book and my work at Golf Digest and you know, coverage of uh, kind of my career, or coverage, but, you know, some some um, <laughs> work I've done, you can see. So um, that's, as, that's as good a place as any. Great. All right. Well, I'll include those links. And um, thank you so much for sharing your time with us. I'm excited to share this with everyone. And um, best wishes with this book and beyond. Oh, my pleasure, Beth. Thank you so much. Before I sign off, I want to circle back to the Rick Hansen TEDx talk that I mentioned and share the idea that I believe will help you to cultivate more resilience and happiness. Dr. Hansen speaks of learning to take in the good. He points out the sad truth that we can experience, say, 20 interactions in a day. 19 of those interactions could be positive, and one might be negative. Of the 20 interactions, which will have the most emotional impact on us. That's right, you guessed it, the one negative interaction. So he invites us to learn how to take in the good. So right now, while you're listening to this, bring to mind someone who cares about you 
It doesn't really matter who it is. It could be a group of people, a pet, or a really important person in your family or your life. So bring that person to mind. As you do, sink into a simple good experience of what it feels like to be cared about and to be loved by that person. Let the image of this person or the memory of that experience become a feeling. And then stay with it. Sit with the memory or the positive feeling and let it be absorbed. He includes pets in this, and you might have just heard my cat, Lucy. <laughs> she's, she's one that can bring positive feelings to me. So do this for maybe 10 to 20 seconds. See how good that that feels when you move from just that memory to that emotional state? What I've noticed happens with me is that a friend pays me a compliment or a listener sends me an email saying that they appreciate the podcast and my brain acknowledges it with a little burst of happiness that says, oh, that is so nice. And then I move on. In two or three seconds, the moment passes, and I'm back to whatever previous emotional state I was in. But if I sit with it longer and let the good feeling sink in, I can feel my brain shifting to a more peaceful and relaxed state. And Dr. Hansen's point is that if we do this repeatedly, if we make it a habit, then over time, we'll more naturally allow the good to be the dominant voice in our heads, and the negative will serve its purpose to teach us something then ride off into the sunset or be put into the archives. I've included the link to Dr. Hansen's talk in the episode show notes, along with the information and registration link to the virtual networking for introverts events on January 30th and 31st. And if you want to give me a 20 second opportunity to build more resilience and happiness in my life, I invite you to leave a review on iTunes or drop me an email at beth at the letting me know what you like about the show. I promise to sit with it longer than just two or three seconds. I will really let it sink in. And what's really cool is that you'll not only be giving me a good feeling and helping me rewire my brain for happiness, but you'll be giving your own emotional state a positive boost at the same time. A very special thank you and a heartfelt um, appreciation to you for joining me for this episode and to my guest, San Weinman, for sharing his expertise and wisdom with us, to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to my assistant, Naja, who provides the episode show notes. You can find those show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com slash podcast. This is Beth Bilo of The Introvert Entrepreneur. And until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Thank you.